Hello and welcome back to the State Shifters Podcast. My name is Jordan Canlish and in today's episode, I've got my good friend Steve on the line from Canada. For those who've been listening to this podcast for a while, they'll know that Steve was someone who I connected with while I was living in Toronto and I had a weekend away up north with my girlfriend. We booked in an Airbnb off-grid in a tiny cabin in the middle of nowhere and Steve and I really hit it off from that moment and he's made two appearances on the State Shifters podcast in the past. And if you haven't listened to those episodes, I would highly suggest going back and listening to them. They'll be in the show notes. Steve's story is is truly inspiring. And it's the reason why I've brought him on to have the conversation we're about to have today. It's because he's someone who has a level of uh, understanding around what is going on in this current time with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of shifts happening globally. Now, Steve was someone who may be aware of a lot of the dependencies we have on a system that is very fragile. When we say system, like the economic system that's currently ruling our lives is is actually propped up on a lot of fragility. And these conversations were something Steve and I were having, you know, two years ago when we first met and we spoke about how the, you know, system was only one event away or one large you know black swan event away from complete collapse and at the time of this recording we are sort of in the midst of a somewhat of a collapse or somewhat of a readjustment and i wanted to bring steve back on to share some insights and perspectives around what he's been seeing what he's been noticing you know what's been happening globally and i feel it's valuable to take in this kind of perspective as we start to think further on down the line as we start to develop some foresight around how are things going to unfold after all of this because we know things aren't going back to normal anytime soon so i want to bring steve on highly suggest checking out the two other podcasts we did and i hope you enjoy this episode if you got value from the episode be sure to reach out to me we'd love to hear from you check me out on instagram at state shifters guys without further ado enjoy welcome to the state shifters podcast a show dedicated to helping you discover your true potential through connecting the mind, body, and soul. Steve, welcome back to the State Shifters podcast, my friend. What a, an absolute pleasure to have you back on here, buddy. It's the third installment. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Oh, mate, look at this beautiful sunny day you've got here in Canada. Shit. Looks beautiful out there. How are things in sunny old uh, Toronto or Grimsby? It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's paradise right now. So, but everywhere in the world, there's paradise. Exactly. Wherever you're at, you'll have to enjoy the space you got. Well, mate, I wanted to bring you back onto the show because, you know, for those who have been a long time listeners of the State Shifters podcast, you know, you, you were one of the, the bigger interviews that I had because some of the, the thoughts and perspectives you were sharing to people were truly one of a kind because when we met, you really opened my eyes to a lot of things that I previously hadn't considered. You allowed me to think in new ways. And since then, we've had a second interview where I came up and we had a chat in Grimsby in the snow. And now here we are, I'm back in Australia, you're, you're still in Canada. And I know that now is the time where people will take a lot of value out of hearing your perspective again because if they haven't listened to the first two conversations we've had, I highly suggest going back and listening to them because all the things that you were talking about back then, it's funny how now everything is starting to fall into place exactly as you called it, exactly as you said it. 
And this is where we have an opportunity to really start to, to dive a little bit deeper around what's actually going on right now and maybe share some deeper truths that perhaps people are, are overlooking amidst all the distractions and noise and um, turmoil that's going on around the world right now. But first of all, maybe at the time of this recording, it's, it's June 7th here in Australia, also in Canada, and we're in the midst of the coronavirus. We're in the midst of a, a lot of things shifting globally at a big level, especially in America. Mate, what has been your take on what's going down right now from your lens on your side of the world? You have a little bit of distance from the noise. So do I, because I'm back in Perth. But what has been your take on the way things have unfolded, given the fact that you sort of predicted this, the last conversation we had recorded, you literally said this was, this was coming. Obviously, you couldn't have predicted how it was going to come through the pandemic. But how have you been digesting a lot of this? What's been going through your mind as the things progressed to where we're at at the time of this recording? The first thing is obviously the observation. I feel pretty insulated from, from a lot of stuff. So it gives me an opportunity to just kind of observe to see what's happening. And from what's being said in the media to how people are reacting in the streets, I mean, just the simple fact that watching people now operate in society wearing masks where normally you would only see that in in asia or in the airports mm. now it's it's everywhere and it's 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 old people it's it's young people it's everybody and the lining up the distancing and the way that people are using terms like the new norm like this is mm. this is going to be the meme of 2020 the new norm so these are the things I'm, I'm trying to digest and, and even, you know, close friends and family to watch how they are reacting to this with, I mean, severe social isolation to having people pick up groceries when the groceries come in, like everything is quarantined, sanitized, like it's something I never thought that I would see in my lifetime. So it's that times a thousand probably more than a thousand there's so many different aspects to this of the i would say the repercussions of i mean again shutting down basically the entire globe simultaneously again that's unprecedented and the amount of times that you can say the word unprecedented is going to be unprecedented <laughs> so the economy that's going to be the one that's going to take the hit that's going to be the thing that's going to affect us all and it's kind of like we're doing it to ourselves. We don't realize that we can't operate like this. Restaurants need to be full. That's their business model. If they don't churn tables out, they don't make profit. If they don't make profit, they go bankrupt. All the employees are now unemployed. Look at the unemployment numbers too. Those are pretty scary. We've had, I think, six consecutive weeks of one to two million Americans losing their job every single week. And then you had also a couple of spike weeks where you were 5 million. Mm. Like those are scary statistics. That's 40 over 40 million Americans lost their jobs. That didn't happen during the great depression. It did. It took three years. This took less than a month and a half. So again, those are the systemic fallout of the coronavirus. And again, you talk about a black swan event. Again, you couldn't see this one coming. 
but this is the kind of event that has a drastic effect on the economy and then again the people as well so mate we'll we were chatting just briefly before we hop on the recording here around some things that Elon Musk has now been tweeting. He's back active on Twitter, which is, is always fascinating to see what he has to say. But he, he just recently you know, made a tweet about how Amazon should start to you know, break up this monopoly that Amazon's now created. And the kind of reasoning behind that tweet was something that you alluded to in regards to some information in a book that was released about coronavirus that had some factual information. And we were chatting about a lot of the theory-based information that's coming out around how to, you know, wearing masks, social distancing, things like that. And I think people are starting to notice now that there's a bit of, there's a bit of skullduggery going on around what's, what's fact and what's not with the virus. And I know we've had a few conversations about this and I'm sure people have come across things online surely by now, unless you've been living under a rock around some truths about the virus. A lot of that is now trying to be censored online. I wonder what have been some things that I know you, you picked up on this real early on because we were having this conversation yeah, back in March. There's, there's a lot of things that are highly suspect. I'll tell you that right now, mm-hmm. right off the bat. I mean, again, they're just basically reporting every death, a coronavirus death. I mean, autopsies show that there's a coronavirus. And again, if you understand virology, a lot of people actually have coronavirus in them. It's a natural, it's a natural virus that is actually in us. So for somebody to die of a heart attack, but test for coronavirus at a post-autopsy, and then they list the death as a coronavirus death, to the point where somebody who will get hit by a truck, if they have coronavirus in them, they'll say they died of coronavirus. And again, Mm. that's something that could be looked up, but that's to the extent of what they're doing. People have to understand the virology behind it. And the way that they're reporting this is they're, they're, really skewing the statistics. So again, when you have somebody who tries to release statistical data in a very, very easy read format and tries to put it on Amazon, and then Amazon doesn't allow the sale of it, and the whole time all the media is saying, wear your mask, social distancing, stay home, stay home, stay home. Like, what is that going to do again for our antibodies? Like, I was taught by my mom to eat dirt. She didn't care if I ate dirt because it works up our antibodies. Hmm. We wash your hands too much. If you become too clean, you start to lose immunity to certain pathogens out there. What's going to happen to people's immunity while they're being socially distanced, scrubbing the crap out of their hands, using triclosan laced hand sanitizer, and then they get back out in. So everything opens back up and then now they go back out into public with a depressed immune system. What do you think is going to happen then? Hmm. So again, the second wave is coming, man. And this second wave could be worse than the first one based on what you, I feel you're alluding to there. Again, with people now suppressing, yeah. But again, it's simple immunity. Like when you are, when you are isolated and not exposed to, again, like simple things in, in small quantities works up our antibodies. That's how our immune system works. And what we're doing right now is we're drastically affecting the ability of our body to respond and it's going to get inundated. And this is again, where you're super cleansing. They've been talking about a super bug for decades, waiting for this super bug, whether it's the MRSA that's going to come out of of the hospitals or whatever it is, but it's going to be some super bug that's been able to mutate itself 
and we're not going to have any antibodies to fight this off. That's bad news. Mm. Big time. And really at a time where, you know, the, this, this, the lockdown has caused so much, yeah, so much hardship for businesses, for just the economy in general. But as you see so many people unemployed, um, you really start to question how there's going to be a bounce back, how people are going to recover um, their livelihood. But now there's also a question of like, how are we going to recover health wise when we're so now defenseless from an immune system standpoint? Well, you think- have people, you have people right now that I mean, don't even think about the recovery. It's what's happening to the people in the state of lockdown. Mm. I mean, if there's a, a psychologist that, that was talking the other day that how people are, in lockdown right now, they're going through basically a depressionary thing, like the same way somebody who uh, experiences a death and they have to go through right. the five stages of grievance. Grieving, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. What people are doing right now, that's how psychologically damaging this is to people. Mm. Being totally, totally, I mean, a lot of people have a lot of friendships at work. Like there, you have to admit their lives kind of depend on their daily routines and their routine is hanging around a certain amount of people at work, having that certain amount of uh, water cooler chat, going out shopping. I mean, again, like their lives are disrupted. Their kids are home all the time. I mean, even husbands and wives are together. People who aren't used to being around each other and then also trying to operate. If someone is working from home and you got kids in the background going crazy, like these are things that people, it's, it's hard for them to adjust to. There's so many different things that are impacting us and it's all going on simultaneously. Yeah, I mean, it's concerning, but at the same time, there are a ton of opportunities that are gonna come out of this and we don't have these conversations to obviously scare people. I value these conversations because it's awareness. The more awareness we have around what's actually going on, the impacts in different areas on an individual and a collective level, it gives us the ability to make better choices, right? So that's why I love having chats with you, mates, because the, the awareness you've got around all the different factors that you're processing and you're seeing lots of different industries being affected and your level of foresight around what this could be indicating in terms of the way we're shifting and evolving moving forward. For people who are listening, like what do you think are some important things that people should be becoming aware of right now in terms of what's actually happening, but then also some indicators around where we're shifting or moving into and what may be some big things that are about to change quickly that are going to impact a lot of people? I think what people should be focusing on most right now is if, again, you're, you're at home with your family. What I've seen is it's nice to see how there's a lot more people that are actually out together. I've seen a lot of people mm. out bike rides with their kids and, and walking their dog with the kids and stuff like that. That's nice to see. The impact and how this is going to go, I don't think it's going to be business as usual. I don't think that there's going to be that v-shaped recovery that they're talking about because again i i think that this is going to be not business as usual because you can't open things up you, you have to keep in mind like all of the food suppliers that would be supplying like the airlines the hotel industries the resorts cruise ships these food manufacturers would be sending or food producers, whether it's, it's dairy for cheese or produce, whatever it is, meat, the amount of demand that has gone down, these farmers have had to call massive herds, massive, massive herds 
because you can't milk a cow and not have anywhere to send the milk. It's not like you can send it to the grocery store because these manufacturing facilities manufacture the food in massive packages, not mm. stuff that somebody would even buy at Costco. They're massive. So if you think again, like all of these industries that are not going to be opening up, and again, believe me, when the first cruise ship says, yeah, we're open for business, I don't think people are going to be rushing to get on board. That's just what I'm thinking again. It's we've been so scared. We've been sitting in a fearful state. Even on the beaches, they have cordoned off areas. Where again, I got a little post this morning where they showed a whole bunch of sheep in these little six foot by six foot pens. And then they showed a picture of the beach and it looked identical. <laughs> like, Legit. it's a joke. It's a Mate, joke. I, I'm curious to know since things have unraveled over the last few months, how has the course of your regular day or routine shifted and, and what have you been focusing on right now? I know a lot of your you know, investments are still in line now with the trends in which way things are going, but like, I know you, you take care of that side of things. Like, What else is going on? What's, what's a day in your life look like right now? Gardening, absolutely. Yeah. Sustainability. And again, that's the funny thing is, well, I don't want to say funny, but mm. the thing that I want to point out is like my day hasn't really changed that's how i've always spent my day is gardening farming and just trying to become sustainable in a time like this it seems like it's paying off in spades big time yeah well again it's it's not just the sustainability part but there is pleasure too i mean again gardening has always been a, a hobby of mine so this to me is is not a hardship so that's where I'm fortunate that I've always enjoyed gardening. But if anybody hasn't gardened before, again, get a, get a little pot and put a tomato plant in it and start with that because there's nothing like having a fresh tomato on a veggie burger. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to dive into this a little bit more because like sustainability one-on-one now for people, like it's, it's now like we we're chatting. I remember a few weeks back and we we're talking about some of these videos on YouTube where blokes would have like a few thousand views on their, you know, sustainability, how to grow, you know, how to grow crops or their own food now have like millions of views millions over the space views. of a few weeks. Yeah. What's, day, yeah. Their new YouTube awards of, of X amount of subscribers. It's crazy. Crazy. And where should people be focusing their attention right now when it comes to say sustainability or growing their own crops, growing their own uh, fruit and veg? If you, if you look at history, whether it's, whether it was the great depression or whether it was post-war when they made victory gardens, if it wasn't for stuff like that, there would have been massive starvation. But what everybody did is they started to become independent producers. They didn't rely on something being farmed 3000 kilometers away, take mm. four days, sit in a grocery store for another two days, charge you an arm and a leg for it, when you can grow it in your backyard or in a container yeah. garden. But again, that kind of logistic supply chain, again, as you can see, it's not going to last. Like as soon as, especially you get into economic problems and the, the dollar starts to erode or hyperinflation, that's when the logistic system doesn't work. Steve, I would like to dive into that some more um, and drill a little bit deeper on that because that's something that is at the forefront of a lot of people's minds when it comes to hyperinflation and the value of the dollar because now across the globe, you have Australian government, Canadian government, American government, 
printing money and giving handouts to people who have been affected by the coronavirus. Australia was $3,000 a a month. Uh, Our program is called JobKeeper, people getting paid $3,000 a month. I know Canada, it's around $2,000 a month. Uh, like this is a lot of money that's getting handed out to people, mate. And people are thinking, right, how are we going to have to pay this back or what's, what's going on? That's taxpayers money. That's not a, that's not a handout. We're paying for it. There you go. Yeah. Right. We're paying. So again, these zero, zero percent interest rate policies. And then obviously if people don't think we're going to negative, then again, (laughs) you're silly. Um, this is the U S and, and the globe has so much debt that if they don't have these interest rates to carry that debt, their budget deficit, their, their payments on the debt right now are in the trillions, trillions. So just to service the debt on the $25 trillion in the U S is over a trillion dollars. That's not sustainable. And now they're printing more money. And again, bailing out who not, not, residential mortgage this time it's commercial mortgage and the banks of course so whatever crisis we had back in 2008 where the mortgage-backed securities this basket of toxic mortgage sloppy shit that they sold to unsuspecting investors they bundled them up they bundled them up with literally toxic shit Mm. and mom and pops were putting this shit in their retirement portfolios and then it pops Credit crisis, all the banks freeze up. Overnight lending, done. And again, the way that they're injecting money into the system, before they even started talking about another QE, they didn't even want to call it QE4. They're calling it not QE4. They were pumping so much money into the overnight market that again, they, they got so close to red line. Here comes the government. They'll buy everything. Fed's going to come in and buy the world. They're buying everything right now. Money markets. They're buying bonds. They even opened up a sovereign window. They're not just giving money to America now. No, they're giving money to the world. Line up at the window. Come and get some money. Yeah. So that's where another indicator, people use the, the sometimes the stock market as an indicator of economic performance. And it's yeah, during this time yeah. where we see the stock market still go up. Yeah. So that's a false so what, yeah. What they're doing is corporations can borrow money at 0% and then go and purchase their own stock. So these corporations can go in and repurchase their own stock, therefore propping up the stock price, given the illusion that the stock market is doing okay. But in reality, there is so much debt behind the scenes that they, they need to prop this stuff up because it comes crumbling down largest, and freaks out. What's, what's one of the largest companies in the world that you know of right now? Just think uh, Amazon. Head. Amazon. Okay. Yeah. But I'm glad you I'm glad you said that. <laughs> so last week, uh, Amazon just issued ten billion dollars of bonds at almost zero percent. Point zero four. Point zero four percent. Ten billion dollars of bonds issued. They just borrowed ten billions of dollars for nothing. So for people who don't know what bonds are, bonds are debt. Company debt. debt. Yeah. And, and, when you can issue stock or bonds. Stock, you have part ownership in the company. Bonds, you're just basically issuing money and, and paying a little bit of interest on it. But there's zero, zero ownership in it. So you can buy an Amazon bond. You have zero ownership in the company, but they're going to give you 0.04%. <laughs> a lot of money. And, 
what yeah and what what meaning do you take from that what does that what does that indicate to you i don't know again tesla did the same thing too well they issued more stock actually it wasn't a bond but they got a lot of money tesla's building stuff like he's he's building stuff but what jeff bezos is doing with that amount of money already having that amount of money maybe he's sitting on cash i don't know maybe it's going into an environment again but i'm just saying is point being corporations are are getting money for super cheap right now right that's what that's what again is giving the perception of um, especially the fangs the fangs are killing it right now you think that all other like uh, Hertz, Hertz Rentals going out of, mm. out of business are already declared bankruptcy. Airlines, restaurants, like the restaurant chains are, are filing for Chapter 11, left, right, and center, like shutting down like the, the IHOPs and, and all the restaurants are, are shutting down. Tons of real estate is going to be available to square footage of commercial real estate. You have to yeah. think about the securities that are backed by that too, right? Yeah, you mentioned Hertz and the automotive space. Is going to be going through a big shakeup. Aerospace, obviously, collapsing as well. No real end in sight in terms of when we can travel next. Well, for an example, just the car industry right now, they've manufactured so many cars and there's so few people purchasing cars right now that they have nowhere to put cars. They're literally putting cars in stadiums, in parking lots, to the point where they're now filling up cargo ships. And they are now parking these large cargo ships offshore with cars in them. Cars that are being delivered from China or Japan, they're not letting them dock because there's nowhere to put the cars. I think the Hertz rental agency has like 500,000 cars in their fleet and they have to liquidate all these vehicles. Could you imagine 500,000 cars flooding the market immediately while already nobody's buying vehicles? Yeah got to be an indicator of a shift in in the whole industry of automotive like oil using oil like is that again we know that's a finite resource so maybe this is a part of that shift the auto industry and and putting gas in your car is a big driver for fossil fuels but even right now the way that the price of fossil fuels have dropped because of the again geopolitical issues you got russia and saudi arabia started that little spat where they went to OPEC, they were supposed to cut production, but instead of cutting production, Russia decided to increase production. Hmm. They wanted to basically ride out and try to bankrupt Saudi Arabia by trying to lower the price of oil, knowing that it takes them more money to pump a barrel of oil. So Saudi Arabia decided to ante up and they said, that's fine. We're actually going to increase production too, because they think that they could then outweigh or, or outride Russia. That brought hmm. the price down to negative. It was the May contract went into a negative. It was actually, they, they couldn't, again, they, they were paying people literally to take oil. Yeah, legit. The first time oil went to negative. If you look at the contracts, they went to zero. Bounced back up quickly. But again, first time in history because of, of an economic thing these future contracts that they put on oil literally forced the price of oil into negative so we'll have something like the united states shale industry they dumped a lot of money into that the u.s was very low on the list of being one of the oil producers of the world but they started coming up with this cool thing in the uh, 
early 2000s called fracking. Mm. They fracked this shit out of the ground and it would release this gas in the shale and they could turn it into fuel. That's the new shale industry that they got going on. They injected a lot of money, a lot of loans to get these, these fracking rigs. They purchased a lot of property to do this on. And then the price of oil goes to basically nothing. They need $40 a barrel to break even. So how many, how many fracking companies right now are going belly up? How many people does that industry support? Towns are built around those kinds of things. Hmm. So again, the impact just keeps going and going and going. Do you see, like, do you see opportunities coming out of this? Like, I know you're a pessimistic person, but you also take a, a, a wide angle view on what's going on. And for people who are maybe like just thinking, you know, week to week, they're taking things week to week. They're just watching the regular news that they see on TV. And like we chatted to earlier before getting on this call was like, there was so much going on behind the scenes that we actually, we don't even know about because the news we get is like this constant change of like, just, just, you know, something different every week now. Distraction. Yeah. So like any suggestions of what people should be looking out for, maybe getting news from Altier, getting lots of piece, different pieces of information and starting to maybe form a wider angle view of what's actually going on to maybe make better decisions for themselves and their families going forward. Yeah. Again, it's something where you want to get your facts checked. And then again, there's, there's lots of things that you can do, but I, I would say try to listen to, to podcasts, but again, unless there's going to be somebody doing fact checks on the things that I say, how are people even going to trust what I say? I could be factually inaccurate right now. And again, that would be misinformation in itself, not saying that it is, but this is something where you really have to take it upon yourself to really just find some trustful sources out there. I mean, I find mine because I was going into cryptocurrencies, the alternative, like again, if Mm. you were talking, of things that you can do to start preparing yourself. I wouldn't be trusting the financial system much. Like, I mean, again, mm. pay off debt if you can. Understand hyperinflation. Understand how that works. Do not buy anything right now because things like cars and houses, they're going to drop in value. You can wait and get a wicked deal. If you do have some kind of asset that you're depending on the value like a house right now, that's, again, your financial move. But to sit on an asset that has the potential to depreciate very quickly that's where you have to sort of like reason out should i be calling a financial advisor should i be thinking about restructuring my asset allocation in whatever assets i have again that's all up to a like a personal decision but right now i believe a prudent person would understand that when they're printing that much money and there's that much debt it, it never goes well especially when you have too many dollars chasing too few products. Like you have to think like there's not many things being made right now because everybody's sitting at home, not consuming mm-hmm. much, but there's still a shit ton of money being printed. The definition of hyperinflation is too many dollars chasing too few products. It's mm-hmm. pretty simple. Look at Zimbabwe. Look at, look at the Weimar Republic. Look at Venezuela. There's really good examples out there where again, it's simple observation. You know, go and get this from a news source. I mean, again, simple observation. Those were under still almost pristine sort of environment too. And again, you think about 
from 2000s to 2020. They actually say that this was one of the most prosperous years. Like they were actually saying that this was like the way that the market has gone up. There was a good 10-year bull run. Mm. Longest bull run. But they were still injecting a crap ton of money into the system. There was injection, 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 injection. And just before coronavirus, they were saying everything was all well and good. Whereas it wasn't. Because that was still all injected money. So what do you think is going to happen when things aren't good? Do you think there's so, an adoption of a new system that's about to be born? Or is, is, do you think that would ever yeah. allow the current system to, to they're, melt down? They're already, yeah. they're already working on the reset. They're already working yeah. on it. That's a digital dollar right now that they've released in three, three very large cities. So they're doing the pilot project where they have a digital backed one. But it's not decentralized, believe me. It's a digital dollar. There is there again. This is they want to get rid of physical cash. Got they it. want to try. Yeah. With cash, there's black market. With black market, there's lost tax revenue. And government doesn't like lost tax revenue. True. Oh, it's cashless society. And again, coronavirus, it's a fantastic way to usher in a cashless society because money's dirty. So again, what a great way to freak the shit out of people in the background. They have a digi dollar that they're unrolling, whereas the U.S. does too. They got the new comptroller for the Fed is um, the guy from Coinbase. I forget his name. And he's been working on a, a prospect for a, a cashless or digital dollar, I think, since 2017. They have some papers. He wrote some papers on it. And now he's the right-hand man for the Fed, the new comptroller. Yeah, right. So they're rolling out their own digital dollar as well. You don't right. think the, state, mm. the States is not going to be left behind. They're not going to let China unroll their digital dollar first because that will give them an advantage, obviously. First mover advantage, and the States does not want that. So believe you me, there is a digital dollar that they're working on right now. Jeez which would speed up a lot of transactions. Like you said, removes the, the black market element of taxes being missed. Um, That's correct. But it's at the same time, gives up a lot of our privacy. Gives up a lot of our... Well, it's like, it, yeah. was like, it was like what Libra, Facebook tried to propose with their Libra token. Yeah. Stable coin. But again, it was something that it's not decentralized and they have the ability to flip the switch. That's exactly what these, these digi-dollars are. If the Chinese government wants to, to flip the switch and shut you off, they can do that. And they monitor everything. They can see every transaction, every transaction you make. When you say decentralized, for people who don't know, decentralized is the system, like the model of like blockchain where Bitcoin is built off, where there's no intermediary. It's the, the blocks prove the, prove the validity of the transactions where a centralized model... Yeah. Peer to peer. There is no, there's no central agency that has to be a third party escrow to the transaction. It goes from me to you. Nobody has to verify or validate that. It's done through the mathematics of the code. That's it. Yeah. And it's trustless. I don't need to trust you. It's all worked out in the cryptographics. Mm. And there's nobody stealing a fee in between, technically. Yeah. So would it be fair to say that maybe governments don't want Bitcoin taking off because then all of a sudden you've got a 
cash version of digital currency, which is what they're trying to remove by creating this, this, this digital currency, but I'm moving cash, but there still is a cash digital version, which is Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Again, I think that the genie's out of the bottle with the Bitcoin. I think that the government's, I don't think that they thought much of it at the beginning and, or this is a really good pilot project because again, let people work out the code and create something and then hijack it. They're good at that. And again, remember, everything is built on trust. You could have something as eloquent as Bitcoin, where basically if that's the system we should be on, but we're not, we're on the dollar because everybody's faith and trust is in the dollar right now. But when the mm. faith of something is shaken, they're going to go to something else. And again, when Venezuela broke down, the premium that they put on Bitcoin to try to acquire Bitcoin was crazy because that's what everybody went to first is they, they tried to liquidate everything and just purchase Bitcoin. So obviously they thought that Bitcoin was the asset that would hold their value, their purchasing power. That's what they decided. Same things have happened in China as well. So mm. we'll see again, like it's, the awareness is getting up there. You have a lot of financial institutions that are now involved in uh, Bitcoin ETFs. That's now been worked out. So you have Bitcoin is now open up to a lot of uh, retail investors where it wasn't before the last bull run in, in Bitcoin. It was very hard to try to acquire Bitcoin through exchanges, so on and so forth. It was very difficult to navigate. Yeah. Very, very easy now. The gates yeah, and portal purchase Bitcoin. I mean, they have Bitcoin ATM machines everywhere now. So, um, gold, gold again, precious metals is always something that historically is, has been sought after again to try to go to a market with a barbed gold, gold coin. It's not fractional. So, that is very hard to transact in commerce, but to hold wealth if you want to just store some money that you have, again, couple gold coins does well, but again, the self-reliance and the sustainability is always the best because you still can't eat gold, you can't eat cryptocurrency, but you can't eat, eat a tomato. Mm. So for people right now who are perhaps still in lockdown, from as of yesterday in Australia, our lockdowns lifted, we could venture back out, we're sort of back into some sort of normality. But for people who are still in lockdown, maybe out in North America or anywhere else in the world. And they've got some time on their hands, man. People have got time. Like yes, some, some of the, something that we, we always complain we don't have enough of. Now all of a sudden we've got all this freaking time. And I fucking hear people saying they're bored. <laughs> people telling me they're bored at home. Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm losing my mind up here. Well, bro, these are, this is an amazing time to learn things such as the things you've just discussed, sustainability, you know, how to you know, be self-sufficient, like where should, where should people start researching? Where, where should people start digging in, sinking their teeth into if they've got time up their sleeve? Well, again, I think that first of all, give it time because we have been in a routine for pretty much our entire lives, whether it's from starting going to school, working a job, we have always been, our day has always been basically monopolized. We've never actually had the amount of free time next to a, a week vacation here and there. So it is going to take time to adjust to just adjusting to having more time. Um, when I freed myself from my job and became self-employed and had a lot of time, I actually had to go through a psychological adjustment because I wasn't punching a clock. I thought that I wasn't yeah. 
self-worth went down because it was just the routine of me physically punching a clock made me feel productive. So people right now, they have to adjust to a whole different paradigm of still waking up in the morning and doing something where they have purpose, be productive. And again, remember that thing we talked about a while ago, that Kellogg experiment where they gave many people or they gave people too much time off work and it backfired because the people didn't come back to work because they found this thing called a hobby. (laughs) That's what you need, right? You need something where you, you have that joie de vivre, where you lose time. You get into the zone of doing something where you forget to eat. You know, you you think 15 minutes went by, but actually three hours went by. That's what people need to do right now. That's what we've missed. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. It's, it's the curiosities. It's like getting clear on like, okay, yeah, if you're working from home and you've got some extra time because you're not commuting, what are some curiosities or hobbies you can start to start to learn more about and explore? Cause now again, dude, there's some companies now that are saying, Hey, you, they're realizing like, for example, out here, I was chatting to a mate the other day who works for Deloitte and he was saying the Deloitte Melbourne office just finished building this th- brand new 31 story building and opened it up the other day, cut the ribbon on it and f- fucking empty. Cause everyone's working from home. They can't come into the, the office and they've looked at the figures of their profits over, you know, the performance of the last couple of months. And they've made the same amount of money people working from home as they did in the office. So they've just spent millions of dollars building a new office only to realize, Hey, wait a second. People are just as productive at home, if not more productive. Uh, just what's the point? What's the point? Yeah. What's the point of having a city who works in the FedEx office as well? Manager of the FedEx office. They have a lot of employees and they're all realizing we could have been doing this from home all this time. It's going to be the new norm. It's going to be a new paradigm. And like I said, if you think that people are going to be rushing back, I don't think they are. I think that there's going to be a slow move back in by some. But again, I think that people are going to become quite accustomed to this new norm. Even the people that are getting these checks right now, they have the option to go back to work. They get pissed off. They don't want to because they're making almost as much with the check. So you get the inconvenience. I mean, you don't have to drive your car when you're when you're working from home. You can just take your, I mean, get your insurance lowered. That's a big thing that they're talking about. People are driving zero kilometers. Your insurance company will give you a rebate check. I got one. <laughs> Literally. Well, again, companies like that are just losing so much money, right? Like, fuck, I don't know. I don't know how they're sustaining. Yeah. No, people buy clothes because they are around people at work and they have to feel like they have to, you know, dress for success or, you know, think about the money that people are saving on haircuts alone. My goodness. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. But like you're right in the fact that it it does take an adjustment for some people to work from home because it's that routine that shifts that people are so used to being associating a certain environment with the feeling of being productive that it then becomes this new challenge to how do you create a productive environment where your bed is, 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 you know, not too far away from where you're working. And it's that routine of like leaving the house and the commute or being in an office where other people are working. It's, I, I can imagine it's starting to, to create a lot of stress inside of people. And I know it is because I'm having conversations with people. You've been autonomous now for a number of years. I've been working for myself now for the past seven, eight months there was a big adjustment period. I remember, like you said, that, that whole 
clock in clock out type thing you know initially my mind was still in that zone of like thinking fuck nine to five i need to be doing something otherwise i'm not productive i had to i had to leave the house and of course this was back when before there was like really internet but i had to go leave the house to go to just go for a walk to, to go get a newspaper so the newspaper was me getting out of the house and me starting the day. If not, I wouldn't put clothes on, stay in my pajamas. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was that me leaving the house was then the trigger of the routine for the day to start. So I'd come back, read the business section, and then I'd start making my phone calls and, and doing what I need to do. But yeah, it's, it's again, like there's going to be a new norm. So waiting in line at the store the other day, and it just so happened that the way that the angulation of the building, I realized that if I came probably about half an hour to an hour earlier, I would have been standing in direct sun. And I think to myself, I'm like, think about the elderly people that have to wait in these lines. And the lineup is like around the building, it's direct sun. And I mean, it hasn't gotten hot here yet, but I mean, when we get a heat wave, we get a heat wave. What are going to happen to all these poor people waiting in these super long lines? Or then again, if we get a second wave come, you know, late fall, winter time, <laughs> how are these lines going to work in the winter? That's cold. Canada gets cold. Mm. So I look forward to seeing how that all pans out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've got some interesting times ahead. There's no doubt about that. And I guess for people who are, are really confused as to like what's going on and, and confused as to how to navigate these times. I guess it's going back to simplicity, right? Going back to taking care of yourself first, because you can't, if you can't take care of yourself, how can you take care of your family? How can you take care of your community? So totally. step one, take care of yourself. And step two, I would, I feel is, is, is get educated. Like if you get educated, that's one thing you, you made me very aware of the fact of how dependent I was on, on the system. And the system is, is something that, you know, we can't rely on for too much longer. Like it's, as we can see, it's starting to crumble, <laughs> starting to fall apart. Through my community again, get to know your neighbors well, learn how to work with your neighbors, start to form that community again. Because again, it's people working together. It's people understanding that opting out is the biggest thing. We have the right to opt out. My dad always told me, you vote with your dollar. Mm. Careful who you vote for. Amazon, you got to love it during this period right now. A lot of people are buying things on Amazon. But think about all the mom and pop shops that are suffering right now. That's the new bricks and mortar storefronts that are closing down. And you're going to see a lot of them boarded up. So, yeah. again, it's going to be a new norm. Yeah. No, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent right. And let's hope it's not too monopolistic, where we've got you know a select few of people ruling the world or dominating, controlling a large portion of you know the wealth through you know, big companies like Amazon and Jeff Bezos and 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 people of that nature. And I think now is the time where we kind of really have to stand up and take some accountability and responsibility for you know sort of like what you did. You know, vote with your dollar. You know, yeah. time to. Yeah, time to take matters into yeah. our own hands instead of, yeah. Watch, watch how, and this is where, again, in crisis like this, it's not money evaporates. It just transfers different balance sheets to different people. Yeah. And that's where I'm saying is during crisis, there's a few people that make a lot of money. A lot of people lose 
a lot of money. But it's that transfer of wealth that these crisis periods, that's what they're about. And this is where you do not want to transfer any more of our wealth to the fat cats, to the 1%. Protect your wealth. That's the game. This is the game they've been playing since, since hmm. the time of the kings. Hmm. And this is where we have to educate ourselves. Become financially educated enough to just protect your nut. Protect your rice bowl. That's all you got to do. Mm. So Yeah, protect your nut. That's a, that's a great one. <laughs> mate, uh, Steve-O, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap things up there, mate. And I feel we could chat for hours here, but let's keep it... Uh, <laughs> We'll keep it uh, real digestible for people and as things progress, you know, and I'll, I'll get you back on here again soon. But really for now, I just wanted to, you know, acknowledge you for practicing what you preach, brother, because, you know, the reason I bring you on here and the reason you know, I value your opinion and perspective so much is because you didn't just read this shit in a book. You know, you're actually out there putting it to use. You know, you taught yourself how to grow your own fruits and vegetables, you taught yourself how to build a house. You went out and did all these things and you've done it. So I value that. And I respect that a lot in people who don't just talk about things. They actually do them, get feedback from their environment and then get wisdom from what they've learned. So thank you, mate, for, for all that you do. And for people who want to connect with you and say, people have questions about self-sustainability or eco farming or anything like that, where can they reach out to you? I know you're pretty non-existent online. Uh, maybe yeah, they can just reach out to me. Maybe just hit me up. <laughs> reach out to you in, uh, <laughs> You can, you can, yeah, uh, I'll direct them. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll get in touch with you. And if you have anybody interested, then I'll, uh, totally. I'll be vetting them. It's, they got to fill out an application process to get to you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but Steve, thanks for having a conversation with me, mate. It's always a pleasure to have you on here. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks, brother. Hey, there we have it, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. And yeah, look, if you made it this far, cool. Here's my voice again in your ear. And I'm going to make one more request for you is go ahead and subscribe and leave a comment on the podcast page because I'm really putting a lot of focus and attention on getting this podcast out to more people because I know what I'm putting in here can serve and bring value to people. And it would mean a lot if you got value from this to to leave some feedback and, and subscribe so you stay up to date with what's coming up. Um, and as always, follow me on Instagram. And I love hearing from you. It's at State Shifters. And until the next episode, guys, thank you so much and I appreciate you.